Psalm 52 and the last verse. He says, I will praise him forever because he has done it. And then he says, I will wait, I will wait on thy name for it is good. He says this, I will wait on thy name for it is good before the six. So here David said uh, uh, two things here. He said, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And then after that, he said, I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy sins. So David here was saying what God had done, which was in answer to his prayers, he said, I will praise you for that particular thing. Demonstrate to you that I have accepted and received the fact that it has been done by you. And then the next thing he said he will do, he said, I will now wait on your name, so to speak, for the fulfillment of it. Uh, to wait there is to be patient. Uh, to wait there is, is you know, to, not to be in haste, to understand that God has done it, and then to stay in the place of praise uh, and wait upon God. And that's what I want to speak about. Wait upon God and wait upon his name. So I know that he has done it. Now I am waiting upon him. And as you wait upon him, what happens is God begins uh, to give instructions to you. He starts asking you uh, to do certain things. And as you start doing those things and carrying out his suggestions and carrying out his ideas, uh, then we begin to see uh, the power of God and the fact that he has answered our prayers. Well, we begin to see that. So, so let me just say something as we go on here. Uh, don't just believe God for something and remain static. And it's just like um, there, is, there is nothing heaven is telling you concerning that particular thing. It's not just about your staying power. That's not what it's about. Which means just my ability to have what is called staying power. But it's to fellowship with God on that particular thing and to receive the intelligence of God uh, concerning it and to implement his thoughts and ideas as regards that particular thing. So let me repeat again. Waiting upon God is not just a demonstration of staying power. In other words, you know, God just wants me to stay, and when I show that I can stay there, then he now decides to act. No. Uh, waiting on God there is you are in fellowship with God. Uh, and when you are in fellowship with God, 
David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Uh, you know, the Lord, uh, all right, has, has decided to, uh, to fulfill this. He has answered your prayer. And then you wait patiently for him. Uh, you are still right there before God. We'll see this here. You wait patiently for him. And he inclines unto you. And he says, heard my cry. And David talked about him opening up my ears during this waiting period. And he showed me that bond offering and offering for sin, thou wilt not. So in that time, God begins to communicate uh, with that individual. And you begin to carry out things, his ideas, his suggestions. So it's that communion that is the, the real issue uh, that is going on there. It says, had it not, not your heart, if you will hear his voice, had it not your heart in a day of provocation. So it's not just your ability to withstand and just endure the matter. It's your response to God during that time, the recognition of his presence, uh, the fact that you've accepted that he has heard and answered your prayer, and therefore you are in fellowship with him, and he begins to give intelligence to you. Just as Joshua met with Jesus, and Jesus opened the strategy to him, and said, go around the walls of Jericho six times, and then on the seventh time or seventh day, this is what you're supposed to do. So it's not just sitting down and folding your hands and saying, God has heard a prayer, we are going to take Jericho, but he's staying there in communion. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength. That word renew means exchange. It's take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. And then they will mount up with wings as eagles. In other words, mounting up there means uh, the eagle now comes into alignment with natural forces, which is the wind, and allows the wind to propel it. That's why it never gets tired, because it's being driven by the wind and not driven by its own energy there. So when you wait on the Lord, it's like you get a signal from God. Uh, and there's that signal that comes from heaven that do this particular thing in this particular way and uh, you carry that out. And it's that signal now, right? So when people say that, you know, I've been, I've been waiting on God I, and you want to say, so what's the communion you got from God? There, there has to be an exchange there. God is, is replacing certain things and he's showing you, all right, certain things right there. So he said in Psalm 52 and verse 9, he said, I will praise him because he has done it. So I'm praising him and I'm rejoicing in the fact that he has done it. And then I'm waiting on him to get the signal of, of from what I'm going to do in the environment here uh, uh, to get... Um, 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 the, the particular movements that we seek from the Lord. Uh, then we look at Psalm 66 and verse 16. He said, Come and hear 
all ye that fear the Lord. And I will declare unto thee what he has done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth. And then he said, and then I extolled him with my tongue. So, two things he did. He cried unto him with his mouth, and then he extolled him, the scripture says here, with his tongue. Some other place he said, I will pray unto the Lord who is worthy, or cry unto the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and then he says, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. So we see prayer here being, as I was saying here, being mixed there with praising God. In other words, the person prays, and then that person begins to praise God. Then what he said there, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, uh, put up that scripture there, in Psalm 66, verse, verse 16, it said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Then verse 19, it goes on, Verily he has heard me, and he has attended to my prayer. And then it says this in verse 20, Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Now, he made a powerful statement there. I want to look at that and unpack it this evening. He said, if I regard iniquity inside my heart, the Lord will not care me. What he says, I prayed and I extolled him. And then the next verse says, but he had me. Next verse, verse 19. Verily has heard me and attended to the voice of my prayer. Now, now in a bead, and, and I do understand it because I grew up in that background so I can address it confidently. In a bead and in the teaching of the righteousness of God in Christ, and in a bead not to sound like uh, uh, sin consciousness and all of that, people have looked at that scripture and instead of investigating what he's saying there and, and doing and unraveling it, we've just sh shifted aside and said uh, that kind of scripture is referring there, all right, to, to sin consciousness. And, and so we, we left it. And, and all that he said here was, I cried unto him, and he said the only thing that can stop this from going through is if I regard sin in my heart. Somewhere else, he says, no good thing shall he withhold from them who walk uprightly before him. In another place, he told Abraham, walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, because we don't want to address, we want to feel conscious of sin, uh, people say that, well, you know, if God, if I pray, I, I, I understand that it's correct, right? It's not people start thinking that, oh, so what am I doing that is wrong, that may make, making God not hear or answer my prayer. That's not what he's talking about. 
what he's talking about there is this communion thing. In other words, when you talk to God and you start praising him, the only way in which the results are not going to come, we'll say this, is when God begins to communicate to you as you commune with him concerning that thing that he has done it, he starts speaking to you about adjustments, things he wants you to do. Now he says, if that person, all right, does not open their heart and, and they hold on and, and they feel that, you know, nothing inside, and, and just feel God on the outside, you should do it, and hold on to that. Haven't opened their ears to hear and their eyes to see what he wants them to do, then he says, then uh, they will hinder the power of God from coming forth. In other words, if in communion with God, he shows you go around Jericho six times, on the seventh time shout, and you hold that and refuse to obey, and there's a nudging inside your heart about executing that thought and that idea from God, <clears throat> then that particular person, all right, really doesn't have any excuse on the inside there. So you must understand the importance of it. When, I'm in, when you are in communion with God, uh, some scripture, it says, that talks about the birds, that they have the places where they lay their eggs, even your altars, O Lord. And it's like when we come upon the altar of God in worship and in communion, that's where we give birth, all right, to the things that will bring about. It says they that know their God. The word know there is enter into that koinonia, close communion with God. It says they will be strong and do exploits. They are in acts to come out. In that place of communion there, it gives birth. Uh, so thoughts and ideas that you should implement. So if you are reaching out for anything, believe in God and say, well, this year, all right, understand that God is going to give birth to strategies inside your heart. He's going to show you things. And once you start implementing those things, in fact, some of the things says the Holy Ghost will show you things to come. Uh, you, you will see things the way they will shape out if you respond to the nudgings of God inside your heart. And, and, and when you do that, then things begin. So we shouldn't look at faith as just my ability to just to have staying power there, but it's about communion with God. It's about constantly coming up to him and praising him that he has done it and thanking him and, and, and listening to him in prayer and hearing what he wants me to do on the earth, and then executing that upon the earth. In Psalm 18, and there's the crux of where we're going, in verse 3, it talks about Psalm 18 and verse 3. I'll start from verse 3. It says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. He said, so shall I be saved 
by calling on him and praising him. It says in Psalm 81, he ordained this as a statute that they should sing. And it says, when you are in trouble, call upon me and I will answer thee. In other words, I will speak to you. It says the Lord will answer peace, only that they should not turn again to folly. So it talks about God, you know, it told, it told the nation of Israel were in captivity. God turned their captivity around by speaking peace to them. And then he said, and then the prophet said, I just hope that they won't turn again back to folly. In other words, he spoke to them, all right? Remember in Luke, he tells us the things that make for your peace are now hidden from your eyes. It is this peace that passeth all understanding. It's an understanding that surpasses natural understanding, that produces peace on the inside. So in answer to prayer, God speaks peace to his people. And he says, I just hope they won't leave these things he has revealed to them and turn again to the practice of foolish things that will bring them back into bondage. He says, I will hear. Now let's start from verse 1. Now, from verse 1 here, all right? The Lord has been favorable unto thy land. He has brought back the captivity of Zion. So he says, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, it was like them that dreamt, then our mouth was filled with laughter. Now, thou forgave the iniquity of the people and covered their sin. Verse 3, it says, all right, verse 3, quickly. It says, thou hast taken away thy wrath and turned thyself from the fierceness of thy anger. Verse 4, it now goes, turn us, O God of our salvation, cause which means turn us. So you're going to change something in us. Cause thy anger towards us to cease. Then verse 5, will thou be angry with us forever, or will thou draw thy anger unto all generations? Verse 6, it now says, will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Now to, to do that, it goes in verse 7, all right? Show us thy mercy and grant unto us thy salvation. Now what's that salvation? Verse 8, it says, I will hear what the Lord will speak. In other words, in captivity, he said, I will hear what the Lord will speak. Uh, he told Jeremiah, call upon me when he was in prison. He said, you are in the captivity there of prison. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things you don't know. In other words, all right, great and mighty things. In other words, there are things about life you don't know. I will show you these great and mighty things that will change your belief system. And, and it will change things on the inside of you. And, and, and when you begin to practice these things that I will show unto you, uh, then you are out of the situation. So let's go back there. Psalm, Psalm says, hear what the Lord will speak. He will speak peace. So when the Bible says in, in, um, in Philippians, and, and that's what, where Paul got it from, it says, we shall call on him with thanksgiving. It says, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall mount guard upon our hearts. He's saying, now leave the scripture, in answer to prayer, God is going to communicate and speak peace. Uh, same thing Jesus was saying. The things that make for your peace are hidden from your eyes. 
Now the enemy will build a trench round about thee. So what he was saying was they were in captivity. He says God now comes and says, well, this is what was absent from your life that brought this confinement. I will speak it into your life in communion, but let them not turn again to folly. Which means follow that thing I'm showing you. Don't turn again to folly there. Uh, to the foolish things that brought about that. Verse 9. He now goes on and says that surely his salvation is nigh unto them. What's that salvation? That salvation is the peace that he will speak. All right? That glory may dwell in our land. It is Psalm, uh, sorry, it is Luke chapter 19 and verse, um, put up Luke 19. Let's see verse 35. Luke 19. All right? That, let's go to 40. And the cast that came upon the cold, verse 40. And he answered, I said, I tell you that if they should hold their peace, right, they were praising God, the stones would nearly cry out. Then verse 41. And when he came near, he beheld the city and he wept over it and said, if thou had known, even thou at least in thy day, the things that belong to your peace, now are they hidden from your eyes. Then he went on and said, and the enemy, verse 43, will now, for they shall come when thine enemies shall cast a trench round about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. Now go to verse 42 again. Go back to verse 42. All right? Go back to verse 42. Saying, if thou had known even thou in this day, the things that belong to your peace or the word peace there, shalom, or prosperity, but now are they hidden from your eyes, which means there are things God wanted you to start doing. There are, there are the things you wanted to communicate. He said, and because these things are not there, your eyes are, are not open to these things, he says, then the enemy can build a trench round about thee. So, when a person prays unto God and calls on God, and begins to praise God. Uh, then God says, now I'm going to speak peace into their lives. Peace there means prosperity also, shalom. And what it means, I'm going to reveal to this person now certain things. And as they start obeying those things that I showed them during this time, it says then massive things are going to start happening. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. scripture, very strong scripture in Jeremiah. I think if you read it from, from that 33, Jeremiah 34, 35. You know what God did? 
God called the prophet, Jeremiah. He said, take wine, that's wine now, and go to go and meet those people and call them to this feast and offer them wine. This wine. Jeremiah carried wine, called these people, they were not Jews, and he says, here's wine, let us drink. Those people sat down and told Jeremiah, they said, we can't take wine from you. Said why? They said, our father, and they called us in their generation, like saying, our Abraham, they called their own father too, instructed us that while we live in this land, we should never drink wine, neither should we build any house, but remain in tents if we are going to be preserved there. They put wine. God now told Jeremiah, I told you to do it that Israel might learn a lesson. See how men are obeying the instructions of other men. They have kept the instruction that a man gave to them. He said, how much more Israel that I'm giving instruction to? And they disregard my instruction. He said, can you see how they are reverential towards human instructions? And so what God is saying is, look, when you are, that's why he says, take hold of instruction, it is your life. He says, instruction is better than fine gold. So when you go to God in prayer, God speaks peace and, and he talks to you. And, and there are things that he will change on the inside of you. I mean, three things, I'll talk about this on Sunday, must change if outcomes are going to change. Your belief system must change. Your behavior must change. In other words, the way you treat people, God will refine that. And then the third, your emotional response to things. Fear, anger, frustration, he must change that. He has to refine that. Your belief system, all right? Uh, many times we, we, we believe things not because, it's because that was the first thing we were told. If you understand how people come to say they believe things, particularly when, I mean, that's why religion you have to be, it's, it's called groupthink. In other words, once somebody broadcasts something and everybody around starts repeating it, the tendency is whether or not you have processed it as, uh, as what you would call a fact of life. You just accept it to have a sense of belonging. Then you begin, all right, to also recite it and recite it. And all the time, that's how belief systems are formed. It is not that. It is proven truth. It's just what is echoed by the majority of people around you, then you accept it. Which means it's the first thing you were told, and therefore you have accepted that. Let me give an example here. In the scriptures there, it says Jesus was talking and he talked about a feast. Now, and he broke it down for me when I was meditating on that about two weeks ago. He said, now look at this feast now. Now you think about this. He said, now I want to touch your belief system. He said, a feast was prepared. And the script, and Jesus said, he said, go out and tell them the supper is all ready. The master told his servants, go out. And when they went out, they went to meet their friends, they went to meet their neighbors, they went to meet their family. And the Bible says, one after the other, they started making excuses. Uh, I just married the wife, I just bought a land, something had just happened, and it turned down. The servants came back discouraged. Now, if you are not careful, which means, he said, if I 
if I create a feast and you go to the wrong people, he said, what's going to happen is the response you're going to have is going to be negative. Now, you might think that there's something wrong with the feast that has been prepared. That the reason is that maybe the feast is not good. If the feast was good, then, you know, people will just respond to it. Said, so then what did I tell the next thing? I said, go into the streets. Go and meet these people, go and meet them, and compel them to come. That word compel means it's a, it's a word that has some measure of force. Compel the people to come in. All right? It says go out and compel them that my house may be filled. Compel. Now, no more compel here. I mean, we are brought up, I was brought up, you know, you don't interfere with people, so you leave people. But, but you see, it says compel. In other words, you can have a belief system. I mean, someone told me once, he said, so, all right, so somebody says this, we've prepared a feast. Then this person gets up and says, let's, I mean, first thing, you prepare the feast if your belief system is not right, which means from this, it tells you you are not going to get results from your family, you are not going to get results from your friends, you are not going to get results from close. Now, if you start that, for example, when I started this church, I started the church there, I was talking to Bishop Ediko, he told me, he said, listen, he said, he said, he said you come from a campus church. I said, yes. All right, could you preach for us? So he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, let me tell you this. He said, forget about all your campus fellowship people. They will never respect your anointing. He said, go out. If you can get strangers to come in, and they see strangers coming in, then they will have a greater respect for your anointing. And then they will come in after with that respect that you have proven, that's what technically was saying, yourself. Are, are you following what I'm saying here? So, what you're saying here, now if your belief system is wrong, then you are trying to, so you start evaluating yourself, your supper, by the rejection you're getting from the people. Do you get what I'm saying here? And the problem is not with the supper, the problem is your belief system. Are you following what I'm saying here? So he says, go out. He says, when you now go out, compel. Now, somebody now starts a ministry. There's belief system now. And he has prayed. He has studied. Revelation has come. Like someone told me, a good church is just, in fact, told me one time, and you just accept it. It's like a good something. You don't need to tell people about it. It just flows by itself. Sure. Jesus said here, compel. Do you understand this? So somebody else now develops a very strong, what you will call, uh, um, um, distribution channels and ways in which he is going to market. You say, listen to me, you're, you're marketing. You're, you're, you're pushing. No, 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 no. The gospel is not like that. You just pray. You just fast. You just release angels. You just sit down. Now, it's your belief system. You will sit down there for years. That belief system will lock things on the inside. I remember once when I preached, somebody joined the church. She came to meet me. She said, she said to me, said, listen, he said there was a signboard outside that, no, she said, she told me, she said, I, I was looking for a church. I was in the, in the neighborhood, just moved there. I was looking for a church. Said somehow, someone just mentioned there's a church and I came. She said, I've been so blessed. She said, let me tell you, just go outside and put a sign, church. She said, don't even say any name. Just put church. 
point an arrow to this place. Said you will see what will happen. I, I, my belief system was that we don't need signboards. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah? That the power of God will flow. That rivers of living water. Now, now if your belief system. Now, so if you believe wrongly, you'll be locked in that belief system. Now, when it says compel, it says that my house will be filled. Now, when I was growing up as a Christian, I mean, we will go back then, Bagada, you see, back then in the University of Lagos in the 80s, you will see Deepa Life, 45,000 people back then. But my friend, nobody can compel past Deepa Life. Do you understand me? If Deepa Life meets you in the morning, they'll call you in the evening, they'll call you the next morning, they'll call you, they will compel you to come in. Which means their growth is not mysterious, they just obeyed an instruction. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, you can have a belief system, this is what I'm saying, that is completely at variance with the results that you are trying to get. So when you go to God and you pray for something and start praising, he said, now I will show you great and mighty things you don't know that will change your belief system. I, I, will, I will show instructions here that will change your belief system there. Uh, someone just sent a testimony to me on Tuesday and, and she, I mean, I read testimonies out on, I guess I read it out here too, on, on Sunday about somebody who applied for a job, um, didn't get the job, and they said how you respond to things during the Jericho prayer. And she, and he, 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 um, the wife prayed and said, look, why don't we ask God for an instruction? This was in America, and they got the instruction, write an email. They wrote an email, he got the job. Somebody saw it, and the husband had been also, all right, they put it on the married women's fellowship group. I sent it to the head of the married women's fellowship, and she just said, can I put this on the fellowship group? I said, yeah. So she has put it out, and she said, she's now sent me a testimony where one of the women said, when I read it, I saw my husband was in a similar position, and I just forwarded the, the chat or the, 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 this testimony by in WhatsApp to him. He read it and said, this struck a chord inside him. And he had applied for a job, and he had been refused. And he just did the same thing. The next day, he got that job, and the amount of money, so she just practice it. But it's your belief system. Your belief system might be, I will sit down, and they will come and meet me with the job. Do you get what I'm saying here? People's belief system might be, I've prayed for a job. Someone said, well, I've prayed for a job for, for four years. I've not gotten a job. I, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, your belief system is just that, wrapped up in the fact that somebody should call me. That's your belief system. Your belief system simply says, to get a job, I must write an application, send it, and then they will respond. That's your belief system. All right? It's your belief system, and that's what limits your experiences. You can sit down there, and as you are meditating, God changes that belief system and says, you are looking at life from only one prism. And that prism you're looking for, the paradigm there that is in your mind, is what came into you maybe 28 years ago. And it is limiting my expression, all right, on the inside of yourself. I mean, I know a lady now, she just said, finally she just got up after me, applied, applied for a job and made up her mind today. She's a lawyer, I'm getting a job. And instead of moving, she went on back then, this was, this was in the early, early 80s, said she just started working on 
Marina, and every law firm she saw, she went there and knocked. And she said, look, I'm qualified. Before she knocked on three law firms, she got a job. Oh, it's just changing your belief system. All right? It's just looking at something, and you just see something inside, pow! And it changes uh, the way you look at life. It changes uh, the way you see things. Uh, changes that. And it's because the God is showing you great and mighty things. So let's not look at this and say the staying power is just our staying power or ability to endure difficulty. That's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is we are there rejoicing and then communion starts between us and the Holy Ghost. And the first part of call is the scriptures. And then the Holy Ghost starts showing things from the word of God, what you should do in that particular situation. That's all you should ask him. Uh, what do I do? Uh, what do I do? Uh, what do I do? Just ask him for that. What are the steps that I should take? Even leave, leave the outcome to him. Just obey his instruction. Leave the outcome. We have looked at faith more as, you know, trying to determine the outcome. I mean, Peter and James were not trying to determine. They didn't even know what the outcome will be. What they did was to obey the instruction, launch out into the deep, and cast your net on the right-hand side. Mary told them, whatsoever he says to you, do it. I don't think they felt when we draw water out, there's going to become wine. But they just obeyed, right? So real, the real faith is, is your obedience uh, to what God is saying at that particular point in time. Because God knows that when you obey him and you do something, he knows that it's going to lead to something else. And it's going to lead to something else. And it's going to lead to something else. So the real place is obedience. So how do I respond, right, to this particular thing? Uh, is it in anger? Is it with fear? I mean, I mean, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at what God considers as sinful, when he says the following people shall not partake of the kingdom, when he said it in Revelation, the first thing he said was be fearful. You, we might not take fearful as being sinful. That the person is just fearful. God said the fearful. Which means God considers responding in fear as, as complete disobedience to him. When he says fear not, it means fear not. He's not, he's, not, he's not suggesting something. He's telling you fear not. He understands and why is it so with God? Because fear is, the, is what restricts the, the move of God and the move of the Holy Ghost. Because if a person is fearful, then they are never going to act on what he tells them to do. And so they're never going to experience the love of God within their life. So pray. He says, praise him because he has done it. Accept he has done it. And go before him. I mean, we're talking about ending this year with strength. It says, it says they appear in Zion. All right, as they appear in the presence of God, he says they grow from strength to strength. Every time you go before God, thanking him and worshiping him for what you believed him for, you grow from strength to strength. That's why the Bible says Abraham was strengthened, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So just 
understand it. If, if you had a, an expectation that something will happen and it didn't happen the way you thought, stay with God. It, it, it's just your belief system that has to change. The, the way you think life is is not the way it is. An adjustment is being made. An adjustment is being made. Just stay there. Go before him and, and thank him and, and, and praise him and, and worship him. And then, and then, and then, right, press it again. And more instruction to come. More until you come into complete alignment. Uh, the eagle that mounts up with wings is the wind. Finally gets, this is the direction the wind is going. And then just lifts its wings and the wind carries it. So you are there and God shows this is the next thing I'm doing. And that wind begins. The signal comes. And, and, and once the signal comes, right, I mean, I applied for something. And when I applied for it, I, no, I'm just curious, I, put, I pressed this last, I pressed submit. And they said, we will respond to you six weeks after the deadline when we have closed application for this. So I said, six weeks? So when is this deadline that is six weeks? So I checked the deadline. Apparently the deadline was in September. All right, and this is from professional course about them. I said, September. So I'm pressing in October. So the deadline has gone. But inside my heart, I just knew that, no, when I saw this thing, it, it resonated with my being. So I looked for the email of the person in charge of the faculty in the school. And I sent the person a private email that you said the deadline is September, but I have sent it. And I really believe that this course will, do, will, will help me. So I waited. Well, I knew. All right? I just knew. Okay? Then the person sent and said, oh, don't worry. We'll put you on the database. And within a week, we'll get back to you as to, don't worry about what, what, I mean, this is a major school in the world, major. So when they tell you deadline, major, if it's top, top, ten, top 10 schools in America, is one major. So they don't, they, don't, they don't behave like that. All right? Within 48 hours, they said, they said, you've been accepted. All right? But I knew. Okay? Because I tried one. And when I tried it, I knew they were saying that your qualification doesn't, because they will advise you. So I, I got, you know, I, I wasn't rejected. I just got, got that this is the other course I should go for, not this one. You get what I'm saying? They, they didn't reject. The way they spoke, I understood what they were saying. So I now checked other schools for that kind, and then I saw one that was ideal. And the minute I saw it, so I was telling them in the office that I am there. I will become captain of that class when we get there by way of my experience in it. I mean, this is, a, this is an Ivy League school, but even when they were dropping down your prefix, mister, they put reverend there. So you can know that this is where you belong. Do you understand? The other one, when they dropped down, they said, your organization, just type in the first three letters, your organization will come out. You get what they're saying. You understand what they're saying? Which means those are organizations, companies like Coca-Cola. Once you see OC, it will come out. So Covenant, you have to type the whole thing, which means they didn't send you to this place. All right? Don't feel bad. They didn't send you here. Where they send you, 
Jesus himself said, when you enter, they will say, peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying now. So by the time I saw Reverend, I knew there's peace. <laughs> All right? But it's a real professional stuff, right? But, but I knew. And of course, I knew I would be, I would be, I would be captain. It's the reason why I'm captain. By the time we get there and discuss Eduate, discuss platform, discuss project lab, discuss uh, Lagos Seas, and tell them how thousands of people come and we, ah, who, who, who among you here? <laughs> All right, God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.